record, record. Oh, yeah, look at that. Two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. Oof. Time flies. Time's, Time's flying. flying. It is. Time's flying. All right. Welcome back to the Big Hunt Guys podcast. Myself, Brady, doing a little hosting today. I don't have my co host, Neville, and Trail. A little solo, but not really solo, I guess, because I got some awesome guests here. Uh, over to my right, I got Mr. Cody Bohr. What was your title here? Uh, I really don't know. A photographer, videographer, in-house photo video. Okay. Jack, Jack of, all, of trades. all trades. Master of none. No, yeah. you're master coffee of everything. Guy. Yeah. Coffee guy. Makes a fire pot of coffee. Yeah. Okay. Bougie. Bougie Boar. Bo- Bougie, Bougie Boar. Yes. Uh, Bougie Boar is my main nickname around here, for sure. Then I got coffee. I got straight across from me. I got Ryan. Were you allowed to say your last name or are you avoiding it? Oh, no. You can say it. I just don't blast it all over the social <laughs> medias. You're good. All right. Then we got Josh. Josh over here on my left. How's it going, man? So we just got done doing, what do we call this, a muzzleloader challenge. We're basically, we all went out to the desert with open sight muzzleloaders, basically kind of breaking down our muzzleloader, what it's all about, how it was, you know, set up, because we have three different totally set up muzzleloaders. And then we did three shots at 100 yards, and the tightest group won. And the loser had to buy everyone lunch, including all the camera guys. Those were good tacos. Those yeah. were really good tacos. They were. It was worth the loss. Thanks, I'll, Josh. I'll take it. <laughs> I got you. Thanks. We greatly appreciate your uh, horribleness behind a muzzleloader. Yeah. But, Ooh. hey, you've killed, you've killed more than all of us with a muzzleloader, so that's okay. True you story. made up for it in real life. Yeah. I'll maybe, take that. Maybe that's why the muzzleloader was off, because when you packed out your last deer, you probably banged it on something. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have an excuse. Yeah. I mean, these guys were both with me. They probably dropped it before I put it in the truck. Yeah. 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 yeah we got to do what we got to win. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess then we just let the cat out of the bag. Uh, Josh got third place. I did. Myself, I got second place. And old Ryan, the sniper, he got first place. Yeah, he killed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good shootout, though. It was very close. Yeah, I don't know about close up. Uh, I've got a sweet <laughs> little app here uh, called Ballistic X, and we did some uh, some measuring with it. It's kind of an official, you know, you measure your your one MOA uh, distance, put your center point on there, and each of your impacts. And uh, Ryan, your three impacts, uh, 1.467 MOA. I'll take it. Pretty sweet with a uh, open sight muzzleloader. Uh, why, Josh, I think you were uh, somewhere around nine foot of MOA. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little rough. <laughs> rough go today. So what did you have? You had, uh, you had two impacts on steel. Correct. First one went high. The second one was a little low, but still in the, was it in the black? I think it was in the black. It was. Yeah. 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 And then uh, one somehow went off the target. Flew it right over the top of it. That's okay. Yeah. That's right. Got to send it. Got to send it. And uh, Brady Millers, the uh, mule deer Jesus himself. Uh, two point five eight one MOA. Damn, I can mm. do, I can do way better than that. I think you can too. I think so as well. Mm-hmm. But I I kind of have an excuse. I just had set up the new breech plug, the Arrowhead breech plug. It's, it's true. Just got the mm. new modules. I didn't know if I should run my one nineteen grains by weight, so I went. And actually, well, I actually cheated though too. Y- you shot yesterday. Yeah. And I, I haven't yeah. shot since. I don't know, since I killed my pronghorn. Yep. Well, how long have you guys known we were going to do this competition? For a month or so? Yeah, I could have gone shot. You could have right. gone yeah. shot. And yeah. So when I'm going to shoot a competition, when I'm going to go hunting, I'm going to go shoot right beforehand. Right. And so I went out yesterday, kind of got my lows dialed. I started at 105 grains by weight, went up to 109. And I was like, okay, I don't have enough more time to waste. So I just stopped at 109. But I still want to try some 112, 115, 
119, throw my chronograph on there and figure out some ES. Right, yeah. Get I, dialed more. I think you can be right there in the money in that 115 to 115, 119. Yeah. yeah. I won't be wasting my time with the uh, CVA Acura No, V2. the basement bargain? No, no. <laughs> no. Bargain basement. <laughs> Just wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't working today. Yeah. And hit the upgrade button, huh? I, in Brady's defense, yeah. you know, he, he, he kills bigger deer than I do, so it is what it is. That's okay. I mean, yeah. you, you, what, how many how many animals did you kill with your muzzleloader last year? Um, I killed one last year. Cody killed his elk with that muzzleloader. And you shot that? Yeah, that was a pronghorn. Yeah, pronghorn. And then you said you had three on your muzzleloader so far, but not yeah. in the same year, but obviously. But yeah, two uh, mule deer bucks in Nevada, and uh, my buddy's wife shot a buck in Arizona with it. Okay. And yeah, so basically what we wanted to do again, like we just wanted to go out there and have some fun and showcase. We get a lot of questions about like open site muzzleloaders. And I know you referenced that you basically built your open site muzzleloader off an article we did. I think it was 2015. Yeah, it was an older article. <clears throat> you guys did an article on improving the accuracy uh, with open sites on muzzleloader. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, the only difference on my setup uh, for the rear ramp, I changed it up a little bit. Uh, I went with an E. Arthur Brown Company peep rib aperture sight. So it combines the aperture sight with a scope mounting base. So in case you go to a state where it allows for optics, you can still keep your aperture sight on there, keep yep. your setup solid, and just throw a scope on there and dial it in. And yours was a CVA? Acura V2. Acura V2? Yeah. What were you running for powders and, and bullet? Um, so I was running uh, IMR. White Hots, they're 50 grain pellets. We're running a magnum load at 150 grain. Uh, the bullet was a 250 grain power belt Aerolite round with a 209 primer. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, Tell us about your sweet little setup. So the Arrowhead muzzleloader. Uh, this is one of his earlier ones. It's still running the, the Remington 700 action. Uh, he's, he's making his own actions now, which I would like to get, you know, get into one of those, but this one's Plenty fine for me at the moment. Uh, it's got the uh, trigger tech primary trigger set at two pounds on it, and it, it is it's it's a pleasure to shoot. It's a very good shooting muzzle loader. Um, it feels real good uh, when when you. It, it just feel it feels right, right? You know, it, yeah, some muzzle loaders they, like they just rifle. they feel kind of you know, you're you're real apprehensive to pull the trigger because it just feels. You never know what's coming. You don't know if you're going to hang fire or, or, you know, anything like that. This muzzle loader just feels – everything feels right. It's a uh, really well-built product um, uh, by Arrowhead. And um, I'm doing the Blackhorn 209, 115 grains. Uh, that was kind of his recommended load. Uh, I have a buddy that, that's running a load as well that's the same. And it, it's, it, it's a good performing area to be right there for that rifle. And I'm, I'm probably pushing about – 2480 on it mm -hmm. uh, and it's pretty solid using the uh, large magnum rifle primers in, in the modules that he makes for for the uh, the bolt face it's a breeze to use it's it's not cumbersome at all it, it, it the weight is right the balance is right it feels good on a bipod um i don't know that i would shoot it standing or anything like yeah, that but yeah. uh you know I, I did miss <laughs> i missed a really good antelope with it um sitting on a tripod i, I had it uh connected to a tripod and real sturdy and everything but even just sitting with that open side and i don't think people realize how hard it is with the exactly with the open sights um and, and that wasn't even a far shot what, what do you think cody i, I, I think, think it was, it was like, like 160 or yeah, something like 160, 170 maybe. and i just sort it right over the back of a pronghorn and it, it's tough shooting other than prone in that in that with that open sight stuff um it's got the lyman globe on the front with the crosshairs inside of it and i've, I've done some cool uh, paint on the globe the mm -hmm. the uh 
just some real bright like neon pink paint that way when you're looking through the peep you, you get a real good contrast with it and then that rear peep is the uh the revic exo moa turret that uh it, it's kind of a game changer for the open sight muzzle loader because you're able to dial the turret but with that being said it's still open sight muzzle loader so yeah, so you can basically go out there, like I said, you have, you have the cut chart on the side of your gun, so you right. can go out there and validate all your MOA marks, and you right. just can dial right to it and shoot. And Cody and I were shooting that thing. Yeah. I mean, like I think the farthest we shot was like 550. Obviously, I would never. I think we're hitting like a 12-inch plate at 550, and it's right. it's not every time, I'll tell you. No, it, no. It's not it, anything it's not. I'd ever it, shoot an animal it, at. No. My no. God, it's, it's wild to, to hit something that far out with an open sight muzzle loader. It, it's an impressive muzzle loader, and, and the, the open sight setup, and I had a buddy out of Utah that uh, James he helped me out real uh, a lot on doing the measurements and and he kind of built the same setup and, and he kind of just walked me through it all and it, it was a lot of homework on on his part and I'm grateful that he was able to share that with me and and I was kind of able to replicate that same setup with the uh, the Lee Shaver front custom and it's pretty cool because you can actually it's like a two piece uh, there's like a little set screw hmm. you can take the front piece off and the base is still there mounted on on the barrel. Uh, so when I run my scope, and that's primarily what I bought that muzzleloader for, is for scoped muzzleloader states. Um, you know, with the scope on it, it, it would, would not be out of the question to, to take an 800-yard shot with that thing. Now, would I do that on a hunt? Probably not. But it's cool to get out on, on it, the range. It really is. Um, to val validate things further and right. just work your way in. Yeah. Huh. And you had to do a bunch of stuff then, too, because like the distance between the rear peep or the rear setup and the front – Right, it was actually designed for Gunworks muzzleloader, mm -hmm. and, and they did all the engineering to, to work specifically on their muzzleloader. So there was a lot of math involved to get that, that front to rear sight distance. And, and then and it's even like the front height, too, that came right. into play? Yep. Yeah, hmm. I can't remember the exact measurement on that. Um, but it, it's, it, it's pretty cool. It's, hmm. it's really cool how you can put a lot of modern engineering into a pretty archaic platform still. Yep. And, but at the end of the day, like we said, you know, you, you, you still haven't – you haven't gained a whole lot still. Yeah, because like uh, we're out there today, like yeah. even aiming at, what was that, a 20-inch by 20-inch like plate? 20 by right. 20, yeah. Like, you know, I have it white around the edges. I made a white circle in the middle with a little black ring around it. So I don't know what that was, three-and-a-half-inch white circle in the middle and then a black outline. Like, you put that black crosshair yeah. of the opening sight peep, and it's like it is it hard to see it. Yeah, Especially and, and, in a dark and, animal. A dark yeah. animal, you, you know, you, you think, yeah, elk a little different, you know, big yellow school bus. Yeah, I had You no put that problem. on a mule deer in some <laughs> – so, uh, you know, Cody, you made a great shot, you know, but uh, you put that on a mule deer in some in some dark, you know, coming yeah. out of the timber, you know, right at last light, you're you're going to have to really battle with yourself on whether you're going to take that shot or not because mm -hmm. it, it's You guys were with me up. on my mule deer hunt this last season, and it was getting a little bit <laughs> later in the day, and I was sitting on it and sitting on it, and I went, you, those front crosshairs, you just kind of lose it on the animal, mm -hmm. especially when the light's going down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, almost yeah, you, t you totally like when you have an open sight muzzle or like you can't go that you know thirty minutes after sunset. Like no. you were kind of you're really limited by that. Yeah, you're probably limited to like thirty minutes before sunset almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, he gets yeah, like he gets like all the shadows hard. and real, real hard. Hmm. Yeah, and I, and I just wanted to you know clarify that that we're. We're talking long-range muzzleloader stuff, but it, it totally changes when you're in, in a, a real-life scenario. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, that elk I killed was at 200 yards, and it took me, I don't know, a good two to three minutes to feel comfortable to where I could right. see the crosshairs where I wanted that bullet to go to where I was like, all right, this is this is going to happen. And, and getting your rest right with an open-top muzzleloader oh. becomes something that's you're not really thinking about with the rifle. You can get away with some sloppiness. 
Yeah. Open sight muzzle loader, you're not getting away with any stuff. No, I remember I had to shoot that thing off the backpack, and that yeah. was uh, – I know we, we brought some sticks with us, and I was sitting up on the side of the hill, and that was almost impossible. Right. I wish I had practice with it more like that, but luckily had the backpack and was able to shoot off that. Yeah, because with the open sight, too, you, got, you have the rear – globe or you know aperture thing you have to look right. through and you have to line it with the front one so any sort of different posture laying down behind it is going to affect like how you're looking through it and you might shoot high shoot low shoot left shoot right just because right. your body's not perfect and so all those weird hunting situations that's why it's like yeah if you can get out and practice all those weird situations you can be that much you know further ahead and that's like you said you practice at longer ranges to make yourself more comfortable right. when you get a lot closer so basically we went through what would you call your setup like more of a and not entry level, but it's like uh, I mean, it's, easier to get into. It's not like it's, it's pretty much there. I think CVA's uh, lowest line is is it the Wolf or something like that? It's yeah, I want to say it's a Wolf. I think Wolf. Um, that model that I was shooting, I don't think they actually make that model anymore. They have a newer V2 yeah. series, same price point. You know, it's probably that six hundred dollar range. Um, still pretty affordable mm-hmm. when you, when you think about it. If you can get into something to go hunting for under a thousand dollars with rounds. I mean, that, that would be including buying cleaning equipment and everything for it. Um, and even a case. Mm-hmm. So you're in under a thousand dollars, everything, and you're able to go hunt. Yeah. And then Ryan's is at like the top of the end, yeah, right? the exact opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> opposite end. Yeah. Like if you just like geeking out and want, I, 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 you know, so I am a, a gear nerd kind of, but I, I really like well-engineered things. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot you can do with, with science and mathematics and applying that to mechanical things, and, and I find that really awesome. And, you know, I, I, when I bought that muzzleloader, I was coming off a, a year-long deployment where I was in the Middle East for a whole year, watched the whole hunting season go by, and, you know, when you come back, it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat myself to something. So exactly. I, I really enjoy muzzleloader hunting, um, so it, it just kind of made sense. And we haven't touched on it either. It was, um, the whole point of this, like we said, was – showing all these different setups for mainly because muzzleloader hunts are a lot more obtainable in the West. Like right. you can draw muzzleloader tags a lot more often than you can a rifle tag. So you're hunting more and then you take some of these like geeky levels and try to build your muzzleloader better and start practicing a lot more. And it's like, just opens the doors. Like you right. can literally hunt every single year. Absolutely. And just, you know, bounce around some of the States and just try to fit that in your schedule. But it's like, you can put more tags in your pocket where if you try to do a, you know, rifle or, you know, even one of those later rifle hunts, like you're waiting a lot of years to try to go hunting. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, and that's what got me sold on, on hunting with a muzzleloader. It was just like, hey, another opportunity to get a tag. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kept talking about it today, too. Like every time you take a shot with a muzzleloader, you just like can't help but smile. Yeah, it's just it's, like it's the most funnest thing ever. It's a really satisfying feeling that, you know, like, oh, it all worked. Yep. Everything worked right as it should. Yeah, um, th- that smoke goes, you're like, oh, you can't really see for a couple <laughs> seconds. Like, well, at least when you're shooting steel, you hear it. Yeah, right, exactly. But when you're out in the field and you shoot, oh, you're so like, you don't hear hey, it every time. Cody, did you get that? Uh, was that a good hit? <laughs> yeah. I can't you see. You didn't hear steel, steel every time. Yeah, well. Yeah, why you didn't hear steel every time? <laughs> out here. It happens. It's okay. All right, I guess I should go through my setup. Yeah, then, definitely. Huh? So my setup is a CVA Paramount Pro. It's a 50 cal. And I got this gun... Was I get 20, 2020 I got, it. I had a high country Colorado muzzleloader tag set up really quickly and went out, passed up a lot of deer with it. Never got to actually take an animal. I'm not as skilled as Josh over here and can just shoot deer with muzzleloaders. Just come out with me, man. I know. I need to do that. And so now it's like, now that I didn't do a muzzleloader hunt last year, I want to get back into it again. 
And so now I'm trying to just geek out on this gun. This gun obviously shoots great before. Like I could, I feel like last in 2020, I could legit take a deer at 200 yards with it. But again, right. we talked about that peep sight. It's so hard to see the crosshairs. Right. So now I'm like trying to figure out what ways I can do to take this muzzleloader to the next level to make it kind of that semi-custom type gun. And so I guess let's start with the bullets. I'm using a power belt ELR 50 cal or 330 grain, the arrow tips. But my recent change with this, that's why I really wanted to go out yesterday and shoot. I picked up uh, the Arrowhead breech plug yeah, and then the Arrowhead modules. And I've been looking at those forever and just talking to them about, like, it just seals everything better. You're not going to have any leakage. And I think, too, it also just makes everything more consistent from pressure-wise, from oh, shot absolutely. to shot as yeah. well. Yeah, those modules are, are – I love those things. You know, you, you put the primers in and – just like you would a rifle, and then they all go in a little special little case in your pocket. And yep. it, it's a super s- simple system. Mm-hmm. And so I, pretty much everything else is kind of stock. You know, I have a, the regular Graybo fiberglass stock that comes with the CVA, but I also, like I said, I'm a tinkerer. I'm a geek on all this stuff, so I fully, you know, custom bedded it myself, so everything's all, all locked in there. Everything's super tight. I have a giant uh, LR Customs uh, muzzle brake on the end, just yeah. trying to tame that recoil down. I've tried shooting before without the muzzle brake, and my gosh. That hurts. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think that, that thing helps quite a bit, huh? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, it's like that mind thing, too. Like, you know, you're going to take that shot. Like, I want to be able to, you know, absorb that recoil a little bit more, right. tame it down, and then I can instantly see if I have to hit, actually hit the animal. Right. And uh, my sight setup, I also changed that as well. So I used to use the, uh, I think it was the Williams uh, rear sight and Williams front, but I switched it over to NECG. I can't remember what that stands for, but it's basically their uh, Weaver peep sight design. It actually is a lot more fine-tuned. I can adjust the windage. I can adjust the elevation a lot easier, and it feels like it locks down. And you mount that onto a little, like, one-inch pick rail on the back. Right. And so I feel like that's a lot more stable setup. I don't have to worry about things getting knocked around. And then uh, actually – it's not actually on a ramp, right? It's just a solid piece on the action itself. Yep. So it's a little two-inch pick rail that I put on there. I actually bedded that pick rail onto my action again, just, like, remove any more tolerances out of that, make it super, super solid. And I have it mounted there, and it's just super easy to adjust. Like, I was literally hitting steel yesterday super quick with it, and I just had mounted it on, like, my muzzle loader. And then the front's just a uh, – uh, what is it again? Just a, the normal uh, Williams Williams peep sight with the Lee Shaver inserts on there. I love those little Lee Shaver inserts. Like yeah, absolutely, yeah. Those crosshairs are cool. Mm-hmm. I have the one that has the uh, the regular crosshair in the middle that I want a little bit down – for like, a little bit further down. And so that's why last year I think I sighted my – in 2020, I sighted my gun in for dead on at 150. I think the other one was, like, close to, like, 200. And just, you know, practicing. Obviously, I want to be closer. but like right, right. And, it, and, and, too, it's like, gosh, it's so hard to see that little crosshair at the tip it of it. It is. Yeah, I actually, in the middle of my little crosshair, I, I put a dab of uh, nail polish in there to mm-hmm. just kind of give that a little bit definition. On the crosshair itself? Mm-hmm. On the crosshair yep. itself, yeah. And that's what you were talking about earlier, too. You said you painted yours. Yeah. You did, you did pink? I, I did. Like a fluorescent? I, I went to a Target and, and looked for the, the most obnoxious, bright, neon, pink-looking mm-hmm. nail polish I could find and and I put it on the, the peep, the, the front of the globe, like yep. on the exterior of the globe. So I, when I look through the peep, it just kind of pops right there. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about too earlier in the video. It's like I, I want to experiment on that next, painting the outside of the globe and maybe painting the crosshairs as well just to like make that a little bit brighter. I've even thought about – it, it doesn't make sense to drill holes in the top, try to add more light to it. That but I'm like, what if I'm great. hunting in like open country for an antelope and it's just too much light? Too much light, yeah. And so that's why there's all these little things I'm trying to figure out, like what to do to make my setup a little bit better. And uh, I guess I could talk about powder. I'm using uh, Blackhorn 209. And like I said, right now it's like 109 grains by weight. You know, muzzlers always, they do weight or volume. Right. And so now it's like, 
it's assumed that if you're going to talk about muzzle loaders, you're talking about powder, you have to definitely specify, no, this is a grain weight. It's not a volume weight because right. people have, you know, gone interchangeably for a while, but I like to weigh everything out. I feel for myself, it's a little more accurate and I have all this really expensive reloading equipment, so I might as well use it. Yep. I do the same thing. You know, trickle everything down to the, you know, the, the finest grain and yep. get it right in there. I think, uh, well, Josh may be hitting the upgrade button here, getting a paramount. I'm telling you that, that – Listen, I've been talking about it for years. You need to. But it's just one of those, you're like, ah, maybe next year. Ah, maybe next year. That's the same way I thought about the, the Arrowhead setup, the breech plug and the, the modules. Like, I wanted to buy those forever, and I was like, man, I should buy them now because components are always hard to get. Right. You know, it's 2022, and we can't get any reloading components. So I was like, I'm going to buy it early before all these draw results come out for all these muzzleloader tags. Try to get a bunch of bullets. Try to figure all that stuff out and just do it. But, like, yeah, if you're going to jump up, it's a – they're expensive guns, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Like, you're spending some coin. I, well, I am utterly impressed with, with the CVA uh, at, at that price point. Yeah. You know, your gun shoots pretty awesome. And for just yeah. trying to get it dialed again. That's why I'm looking forward to going back out, fine-tuning it more. Like I said, put my muzzle brake on – or not muzzle brake, put my uh, chronograph on there and start figuring out some feet per second and ES on that and just start dialing it in. Well, I can tell you, even at that lower price point, Cody's been out with me before – I mean, I've definitely shot tighter groups, not making an yeah, excuse for my <laughs> range day today. Um, I have shot a lot better out of that thing, uh, up to 200 yards. Uh, so it's – you can – you, yeah, yeah. you, you can kill animals with, mm -hmm. yeah, with a lower price point uh, muzzleloader if yep. you can't afford to step it up a little bit. And that means you can spend more money on tags. You can spend more money on gas to go scouting and, like, you can do a lot more stuff with your money. Yeah. The only thing I think we need to do if you keep that is we have to figure a way to put a bipod on the end of it, get like a little pick rail on the bottom. Let's start doing it. Yeah. I love to tinker. We can just take that stock off and get some JB weld out and let's drill some holes. And Yeah, let's do it. That would uh, – I felt bad for you today when you were sitting there shooting off those uh, – <laughs> what, what do you had? You had, like, you had like, I don't know, what was it, 8, 10-inch bag, and then you had another smaller bag on top of it. Did a roll in front of that to keep it moving. Well, Ooh. after we after we changed it up, it felt it, it, a it. lot better uh behind the gun for sure uh typically i was been you know shooting off a backpack there was a little bit of elevation when we were shooting towards it and you guys thought with the bipods ready uh seemed to be a little bit easier for you guys to get behind the gun and acquire the target a little easier right but hey it is what it is you guys got tacos so you're welcome <laughs> thank you very very much <laughs> but, but again at the end of the day uh on a, in a real life hunting scenario none of these guns are really more advantageous than the no. other because yeah. you're, you're still only limited with the globe and the, and the peep and right i mean still happy i mean even for the first shot not dead center but right it would have put and literally that was the first shot you've taken since you killed the deer, right? deer yeah. correct so yeah like i said some could have got knocked off some like who no, knows? we don't we don't have to make any more excuses <laughs> <laughs> you killed you walloped that deer with it last last year so it's all good yeah we know it's a killer yeah, I mean, like, and like you said, it just gives you more opportunities. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was three years apart, Cody. Yeah. Three years apart with, what, you have one or two points, one or two points. The, for the unit you yeah. drew? Getting back that's, in it right away. That's pretty awesome. So, I mean, that, that's not bad. No, I mean, no. most units you have to wait, you know, three, four, five years to, to draw that rifle tag and muzzleloader tag for for the unit every every other year legitimately. took me – Five and six years to to draw a mule deer tag. That's. I'd rather be getting more hunts than 
than sitting around doing nothing. Right. So it just definitely opens up and the then, door for you. Yeah. The same with my elk. Like, I think I had 10 points in Nevada this last year when I finally drew that that elk tag. For my muzzleloader, it, the draw odds were like 38%. With the same tag last year with a rifle, the draw odds were like 2.3%. Right. And, I mean – you're getting I the first am. crack at him. For, yeah, you're getting the first crack at him with something other than a bow. Yeah. It's, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome experience. Especially with Ryan's setup. Yeah, especially yeah. with Ryan's <laughs> setup. Yeah, thank you very much. There's a public thank you, Ryan. Oh, no worries. <laughs> it was definitely cool to watch you guys go in after it and just sitting back and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, that thing's in trouble. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely in trouble. Yep, big yellow school bus. Watch out. And that was a sick bull you shot, too. Yes, it yes. was. We, we I just want to make that known that that was a giant bull. It, it was an absolute hammer of a bull. I remember glassing it up and seeing those, uh, you know, the hits back ends like Cody. Bro, like, <laughs> yeah. this is a giant. Yeah. That I mean, we glassed like, up five, six bulls mm-hmm. right from camp. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, oh, that one's good. Ooh, that one's better. Ooh. Let's Everybody go get a closer was, look ooh, at that one. Ooh, that one's really that one. good. Yeah. <laughs> and we saw his, like, fourth, fifth, and sixth sticking out of that PJ, and we're like, oh, we got to get a little closer to this guy and, and do some looking. I'm glad we did. I do. I'm super stoked for you. That was a fun hunt. Oh, opening warning kind of. Yeah. Hey, you did all your scouting, though. You did everything. Oh, I did all my scouting the day before. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah. Did not have time to get up in the unit and – Chef, Luck was Chef on my Josh side. over here with the, with the bomb chili and yeah, yeah. time. That's what you're famous for, Josh. You bring that chili to like every camp <laughs> we've ever been to, and everybody just falls in love with it. I know it's it's pretty good. It is. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Just just briefly though, I want to talk about your wall tent setup. fiasco. I think my I got God. I think I got a call. I don't know what time it was. It was late. It like, was late. Like I was eleven not or something. A happy person. So we we have this. Just absolutely gorgeous Davis wall tent here at Go Hunt. Uh, Porter bought it uh, for his elk hunt in 2019. And, I mean, this thing's like the Taj Mahal of, of wall tents. So after I drew the elk tag, I, I went to Porter's office and I said, hey, man, uh, really like to do this right. You know, take a wall tent, take a stove if, if the weather needs it. And, of course, Porter being Porter's like, dude, whatever you need, have fun. You know, ha- make this a memorable experience. So I was pumped. I had this, you know, access to this just epic wall tent. Grab everything. I go to Brady. I'm like, hey, Brady, uh, I got these two bags of poles. This is all I need. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. <laughs> totally good. Well, all, also, we had to throw the caveat in there. We had just moved offices. We had offices. just moved offices, yeah. So everything normally is in I don't want to call it a home because it's always been kind of like thrown around, but we usually have like, Hey, this is some of the staff gear in this little area. And so I assume that that's the only poles that are there. That's all the poles for it. And yeah. So I was confident in saying, yeah, I believe that's it, but we should have, we should have went around and asked a few more people. It's okay. As soon as we get up there and uh, you know, I'm like pumped. I'm like, yeah, we're going to set up a wall tent. Everything's great. Get the poles laid out and the main poles are missing. Well, we're all just looking. We're like, man, Either we're dumb or something's missing here. Yeah. Because there's more tent than there's poles. There's way more tent than there's <laughs> poles. And uh, the closest hardware store wasn't like we were, no, we were running anywhere. Yeah, so. it was like a solid two hours away. Yeah. And uh, I was not a happy 
camper at that point. We made yeah. it work. Yeah. We did. So you, call, you called me, and I was like, bro, I don't know what to do. Do you want me to drive up there? And he's like, no, it's way too far away. And I was like, well, you could just go to a hardware store maybe, but then they told me how far it was away. Like, try to cut some poles. And was that like the, the night before opener? No, that so we got up there. It was the night before the night. Okay, so yeah, at least it wasn't like all that stress. Like right, the morning right. we got no. to go hunting and I was like, trying to set this up. We woke up the next morning and put chairs out and started glassing. Yeah. And so luckily it wasn't, you know, yeah, you were able to make it work, morning. but it wasn't as ideal of a setup. Good thing you have a bunch of weather. Yeah, or shout out to Davis Tent. You can use three quarters of their tent and it works just fine. Yeah, I mean, the thing worked great. We had four dudes in there. We had a full kitchen set up. Yeah. It was, it was perfect. We just had to tie the lines a little tighter. Yep. Yeah, we, I mean, some stuff blew out the next morning, but yeah, well, it got a little windy and we're got, up on got, the hill. Got a little we, bit windy. we came back from packing the elk out, and I was like, "Hey, there's my pillow." Shit <laughs> was just basically <laughs> everywhere, but you know that that's part of hunting. It's it's not perfect every time. I had great luck on the the hunt, so I guess like I can't complain in any way, shape, or form. And all of that was possible with open side muzzleloader. We yes, it was. That tag yep. Otherwise, exactly. Yep. All the, all those little random struggles just make that hunt more memorable. And they I, do. Like we can just laugh about it now. Definitely, I was not laughing about it when it happened. I, I, I felt really, that. really bad for you. I was like, bro, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. We're for like, come right on, now. man, it'll be all right. We'll make it work. And then Mike was there with us, and he's yeah. that was what his second hunt. Yeah, the second hunt the poor guy's ever been on. <laughs> oh. But he had a great time. That was cool. That was a cool learning experience for him. No, no it was, was good. Awesome. I was on that one with you. You were on both my both your mule deer, mule deer muzzle muzzleloader. Yep. So. A lot of good muzzleloader success between this crew. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. We're uh, we're gonna try and put some more into it this year. I think that's the uh, the plan right now. Yeah, that's why I think we have to do like these sort of things more. Just go out there and shoot. Maybe do some other like shooting positions with the muzzleloader. And Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe stretch it out. Maybe just go on a windy day too, because these the BCs of these bullets is not that great. Like no. they're definitely impacted by wind. And just feel out those situations. Try to get really a lot more confident. Yeah, we got to do some stuff with like cleaning them and yep. you know, just anything and everything we can think of to right to make this more accessible and let people know how fun it is. Yeah, and like we said, it, it makes drawing tags a little bit easier. Yeah, you probably have to do a little more work and you definitely have to shoot a lot more, start figuring it out. But once you figure it out, it's like you're hunting. Absolutely. I mean, it's a little harder hunt. You, you got to work a little harder, but it's yep. it's that much more. I don't want to say rewarding because they're all rewarding, right? Because you know, there's this common misconception that rifle hunting is easy. Yeah, and you it's just, definitely not. You just kind of no. go out there and, and take a crack at whatever from a thousand yards away, and oh, you got a deer. You know, it's it's rifle hunting's nothing like that. So it, it's it's taking muzzleloaders like that that next further step where the numbers matter even more, the the research matters even more, the practice matters even more because there's there's you you're off there's just so the air, you're off by a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's just cool. It's it's fun because it's it's a challenge. You know. Yep. Not yeah. to, like I said, not to say rifle hunting is not a challenge, but muzzle muzzleloader hunting takes it to an, another level. And and I'll be straight up, like with with my hunt, the year before that we were in we were deer hunting. I had some buddies that took up deer hunting, and I saw a giant bull in the unit that was part of the area I drew. It's across the range, and I looked at all the hunts for that unit, and I said, "What is the closest one to when I saw this bull?" And it was like a two two weeks away, and it was a muzzleloader hunt. And I was like, you know what? Like, I own a muzzleloader. It's not a fancy one, but I'm going for yeah, it. Yeah, you're just going like, to do it, no matter I, what you have. I just wanted to, like, you know, kill an elk for – I've been wanting to do it for 12-plus years. And I said, what's the closest one I get? Oh, the muzzleloader hunt. Let's do this. I'll yeah. figure it out when the time comes. Yeah. 
And Unfortunately, I had just bought that muzzleloader, and I'm like, Cody, you got to use this thing. <laughs> yeah, we went to dinner one night and just talking about hunts we drew, and he's like, oh, dude, you got to use this thing. And I was planning on going with YD CVA that apparently can't yep. hit a 20 by 20 steel plate at oh, 200 yards man. or 100 yards. <laughs> we'll, we'll throw one more excuse on there. We were recording video, so there's also that element thrown on top of you. Well, like, I appreciate you, Brady. Thanks. I'm just watching out for you. I know. We're Thanks, friends, man. so that's probably not going to be when you live down for a while. But No, that's right. That's okay. I know when the mics are down, it'll get a lot worse. No, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can't. That's what makes it fun, right? Yeah. yeah. There's one more thing I want to bring up in this. Is we, we kind of talked about it, you and I, Ryan, when we're sitting out there is the loading process of a muzzle loader and how we are so anal for the better word like of how you go about it because muzzlers in a way you have to there's a lot of thought process that goes into Absolutely. sitting there loading muzzle loader and you don't want to have a mistake happen you don't want to double charge these things yeah it can get dangerous yeah so we were talking about like like when i was doing it like i try not to talk to anyone when i'm reloading muzzle if i go to the range and i'm shooting there's other people next to me i'm like hey i just i gotta focus right now i need to make sure I take one set of powder, I dump it in there, and I always put my thumb over the top of the barrel when I have this powder in there so I would know that I haven't put a bullet in there yet. And it's like a little process I go through, and then just once I get that bullet down, obviously I don't have a primer module in the back end, but it's like you just have to be very, very careful because, like, we've all heard of these accidents happen. People double-charge a muzzleloader. Someone hands them a muzzle, oh, yeah, you can shoot this muzzleloader, and it had already been charged, charged once. once. yeah. And it's just like those little random things you got to think about. Yeah, and, it, you know, no. They, they can be real finicky, and it's, I'm always real hesitant about when I put my primer in. Um, I'm, I'm, I never put my primer in until I'm lay, laying down or ready to shoot. I mean, even hunting, I'm, I'm the same way. I never hike with primers in, nothing. Yep. Um, you know, I'll load, in a hunting scenario, I'll load the muzzleloader in the morning that I'm going out, and the, the primer doesn't go in until I'm, you know, okay, cool, I've got, I've got what I want to shoot. Here we, here we go. Yeah, that's, that's like when we hunted, it was, that thing was loaded and ready to go, but not until – that bull came over the hill and we knew he was like all right this is happening mm -hmm. then i was handed the primer and like all right put it in yep. make sure this thing is ready because he's he's going to be here real quick yep and that's we, that's we did cool. the same thing on the, the deer. Uh, on my mule deer yeah, yeah. with, with muzzleloaders like, like you know i was always kind of intimidated by them uh, my you know good buddy jim kind of talked me into hey man you, you really ought to try muzzleloading you know it, it's not as cumbersome as you think and it's really not you know but but there's that 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 thought process that man this is a lot could go wrong here if, if you're mm -hmm. not on your game with this and you're not focused at what you're doing um and we even did think too like today like you guys both like took your breech plugs out right yep. multiple times to ensure it and i always like take my my muzzle i'll aim it up at the air look down through it and if i see any sort of obstruction through that breech plug I'm like there's probably something in there i need to pop it out right yep. and i even done it before like i got i don't know what i was doing at the range and i just some my mind was like, I know I, ch I know I loaded that. I can't quite tell. I popped it out, powdered, came, dumped out everywhere, all the ground. I was like, that was way safer than absolutely trying to do it. And that's absolutely. why also like I know you. I think you had a reference mark on your ramrod, right? Yep. So like taking even a reference mark or scribing a line with the, with the knife or putting some tape on there. That way you can put it down there, like you know if it's charged or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I haven't changed. I've I've always shot three of those pellets yep. and the same bullet out of it. So that reference mark, I know when it's fully seated, that's where it needs to be. Right. And, mm -hmm. and these, these concepts that we're talking about, it, it can't go out the window when you get to a hunt, like everything you do on the range needs to happen the same way on, whether there's yep. a deer elk, whatever there or not, um, you, you still need to be doing the same thing with a muzzleloader because there are a lot of variables where, you know, a, a double charge would be catastrophic. And mm -hmm. you, you know, say you're 10 miles in the back country. Yeah. What do you do then? You're in trouble. It doesn't matter if you hit that energy button or not. Like you, you're yeah. probably not going to make it off that mountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So yeah, muzzle loaders, man, they're fun. It's fun. They're Absolutely. It's fun. That's what's kind of fun too, like today, even though we made like a little competition out of it, but it's like really all we were doing is getting out there. We get so many questions that go on all the time about like, hey, we know you guys shoot a lot of muzzle loaders. You've done some articles in the past. Like, can you do a breakdown of different setups? And that's what was fun. Like we all had three different setups. They all three totally work 100%. You can kill an animal with them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you guys have an awesome track record for it. And just showcasing like, hey, this is what a muzzler can do. And these are just different setups. And whatever you want to do, this is how you can get out of the field, put more tags in your pocket. Yep. yep, and it doesn't end there. The cleaning process, you know, about to go home right now and yep, do a little clean down and do yep. a little cleaning. Just gotta get it prepared for the next time. Yep. Very don't important to keep them clean. Yeah, don't want to be like Josh and Miss, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Well, I, I've been, I've been like giving listen. You a lot that of might just, lately. that might just sit on the workbench for the night. We're, <laughs> we're gonna try shooting turkeys tomorrow, right, Cody? Yes, we are. We okay. Not with a muzzleloader. Though. No, not definitely with not with a muzzleloader. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. This isn't Texas. <laughs> no. We don't shoot them with rifles. <laughs> oh boy definitely not no we'll go shoot a turkey how many years did it take you to draw this tag finally six Oof. six to six points to kill a turkey six 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 to draw a turkey tag <laughs> yeah. correct man I, I had four points I for my utah you. tag did so, you yeah yeah so we'll see what happens y'all know there's states you can just go to right and they beg you to shoot the well turkey. you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> shooting one in nevada man it's not a bird you think of no, you think no, nevada yeah, that's yeah, for yeah. sure i'm just joking i know turkeys aren't my thing but it's fun well, Very cool. I appreciate every one of you guys joining us today. You guys, it's it's a Friday, so you're both here at Go Hunt. Took a day off, went out there and shot and had fun. It was just a sweet time. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a great yeah. time. No, thanks, man. Enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to, like I said, we'll have to do it again because, I mean, this is just a muzzleloader one. We we got a lot of rifle stuff. We can, go, we can shoot bows even, too. Like, we should do more of these. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do I'm it. I'm 100% in. It was a good time. It was really cool to get – yeah, like I said, it's always a pleasure shooting that muzzleloader. You forget how fun it is until you're out there, and you're like, why don't I shoot this more? Yeah. It's like, last, like, I don't know why I didn't shoot it at all in the 2021 season. It's like, yeah. I just want to go out there and shoot. I even don't know how to tag. I just want to go out and shoot. Just like I do, shoot my bow, I shoot my rifle. It's yep. like, be more proficient now. Yeah, you never think, just go shoot your muzzleloader. Yeah. Well, it's, it, but it, it should. It's yeah. so it much just fun in the mix so with everything else. When you start thinking about all the work, you're like, hmm. Maybe not. Yeah, I can do like, you know, 25, 30 rounds of my rifle in an hour, and you and muzzleloader, you're only getting, you know, legitimately, maybe 10, mm -hmm. 15, yeah. and then you got to clean those things, and yep, it's definitely more of a process, but they mm -hmm. are sure a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you guys for joining, and also we have a video coming out about this. So we did a full video today. Not sure when it's going to go live. I'm not even sure when this podcast is going to go live. This episode. <laughs> or maybe, maybe the video will go live before the podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that part's you, on Neville, but we'll, we'll have to wrangle him in and I, say I definitely hey. think the video will go live. So once you hear this podcast, be sure to jump over to the YouTube channel. Just go hunt, and then it'll, I'm sure it's the only muzzleloader video we've ever done. So right. be sure to check that out. Check out our setups. And if you have comments or questions about any of our muzzleloader setups, definitely just hit us up on, on YouTube in the comments there. And I'll make sure you get in touch with Josh or or Ryan or myself and we'll help you guys out because like I said absolutely yep they're absolutely fun to shoot and everyone needs to try it so yeah, we're cool. thanks Brady appreciate it thank you peace out guys appreciate it